All right, good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm super glad that you chose to come out this weekend, and it's Memorial Day weekend. And so here's what uh, we would like to do. If you have been a member of the armed forces at any time, would you please go ahead and stand up? Whether that's now or whether it's before, go ahead and stand up. I know that on Memorial Day, we often think about those who have passed in service of our country. It's why it's Memorial Day. And um, it's a big deal what's happened in our country as individuals have served and have died, and it's led us here through to today. So thank you for your service. And if there's individuals that you know that have passed away, maybe family members, we remember them as well. It's a huge blessing to be able to be where we are. So hey, we're continuing in this series in Romans chapter 7. We've been looking through the book of Romans for, uh, I don't know, at least six weeks now, right? Because we've gone through uh, chapters 1 through 6. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you ever feel defeated? Do you ever feel defeated? Someone's like, yes, I do feel defeated. Do I ever not feel defeated? Uh, I'll tell you this story. My family's going to laugh a little bit at this. But a week ago or so, we ordered Chinese food. And some good stories start out with we ordered Chinese food. So we ordered Chinese food, and I got myself my favorite thing, General Tso's with pork fried rice. And thankfully, no one really liked egg rolls except for my wife and I. So there was this like literal mound of egg rolls sitting there. I was like, this is just perfect. And so I went ahead and just ate as much as I wanted to. And about three minutes into eating, I thought to myself, I should slow down. I should probably not be eating so much right now. But did I slow down? No, because it's General Tso's and egg, you know, and egg rolls. It was delicious. And so I ate a lot of that food, and it was amazing. And so then I tucked the leftovers away. I probably had half left, and I put it in the refrigerator with the rest of the egg rolls, and I felt absolutely terrible. I did not feel good. Um, if you've ever eaten a lot of Chinese food, you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. You don't feel particularly great. And so I just thought to myself, I knew that I should have stopped. I knew I should not have eaten as much as I did. And it just started making me feel sick. It was not good. I was just like, uh, you know, it's like we don't need to go to all the extents of what happens when you eat so much Chinese food. It wasn't great. It was bad. So then all night long, I felt kind of sick. The next day, I just felt kind of sick. I was like, oh, this isn't great. My body, though, thankfully recovered and I found myself at lunchtime the next day. <laughs> and I thought to myself, man, I got all that leftover Chinese food in the refrigerator. <laughs> so what do I do? I open up the refrigerator, and there it is. The general sows. It's terrible microwave, but so good in so many ways. So I put it in the microwave, and before I even eat it, right, I put the egg rolls in the air fryer. There were two left. Before I even eat it, I thought to myself, this is a terrible decision. <laughs> and I ate all of it. <laughs> and it uh, wasn't great, let me tell you. I lost two, two ways in which I was defeated. First off, I was defeated by the Chinese food. Chinese food defeats, man. It's like no winning that battle against Chinese food. It just defeats. And I also was defeated by my own self because I did something I knew that I shouldn't have done. And I paid the penalty for that. Overeating and coming through that, right, I was defeated. And so I want you to think about that story, not particularly about the Chinese, but about your life 
in a time in which you have felt defeated or areas in which you feel defeated in right now. So up, up to this point in the book of Romans, this is what we've talked about. Romans is all about justification by faith. Chapters 1 through 6, this is what is said again and again and again. And we've explained it before, but I would like to take a minute specifically to explain what is justification and then by faith. We understand faith more so maybe than this idea of justification. And so why does Paul just hammer this home? So justification, I have it color-coded here for you as well, it's green. To cause someone to be in a proper or right relation with someone else, or to put right with, to cause to be in the right relationship with. Oftentimes it's like legal terminology, that your debt has been justified. In other words, it's been paid. That you have justified a decision that you made. Um, I like to use the term creative justification because you can make something sound like it was fine, right? And someone says, like, don't, you know, don't try to make an excuse for this. A lot of times what we do is we try to justify it, which is to make it right, okay? So Romans is all about justification by faith. In chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says this, but now God has shown us a way to be made righteous, there's justification, without keeping the requirements of the law, there's by faith as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. There is one way to be made right with God, and that is to be justified by faith. This is an extraordinary message. One chapter forward, um, the Apostle Paul says this in uh, Romans 4, 6 to 8. David, the great king of Israel, one of the greatest people that ever lived, David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. And he quotes this psalm, Psalm 32. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. King David is talking about one of the worst things he ever did, and that was his sin with a woman named Bathsheba, who he committed adultery with. whole story is just really, really bad. But this is what he says about it. Later on in that psalm, he says this, Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. Romans is all about justification by faith. This is a big deal. This is really important. So let me give it to you in another way that may be more helpful to you. That by faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, we are made right with God. Amen? Amen. This is exciting. This is a big deal. 
This is the foundation of everything that we believe as followers of Jesus. This is why we're here as a church. This is what Jesus came to bring. This is why we have salvation. It's the kingdom of heaven, why we get to go to be with him forever and ever, whether he comes again and we're with him or whether we die and we're with him. This is our peace and our security. This is our hope. This is our joy. This is our healing from sorrow and our physical healing as well. This is everything that by faith alone in Christ Jesus alone, we are made right with God. This is amazing. This is the truth of the gospel. Praise God that we have this. So why do we ever feel defeated? Some of the areas where we might feel defeated even right now, in our marriages, maybe at your job or with your kids, decisions that you make from your guilt and your shame and your past, maybe whatever's going on with money, relationships and sexuality and addiction and vices and time management with lies, with failure, again, and just at the core of ourselves. Romans 7 helps to answer this question. I'll tell you this ahead of time. Romans 7 is very different than 1 through 6 and then 8 through 16, but there is no Romans 7 without 1 to 6 and 8 through 16. But this one is going to sound a little bit different to you because through his vulnerability, Paul encourages those with faith and challenges those wrestling with faith. And this is what we're going to see as we climb through this really, really wonderful chapter of the book of Romans. And let me say this. The Christian life is not like living at the end of a fairy tale. The, you know, poor abandoned child doesn't always get the slipper and go off and be with the prince forever and forever, right? The um, disease is not always cured like in Moana, or, you know, Aladdin doesn't always become the prince. The Christian life is not like living at the end of a fairy tale. Unfortunately, sometimes our faith is sold to us in that way, that with Jesus, everything should just be fine, right? We read Romans 1 through 6, and it's like, hey, we have salvation through Jesus, and like he cures us of all of our ailments, and he makes us whole, you know? And we think to ourselves, maybe if I give enough, or if I do enough, or if I'm right enough, or whatever, maybe all these things will happen. It's not the case. But this is good, actually, because at least we know what we're dealing with when we have a realistic perspective of the Christian faith. It's why Paul goes into all of the detail that he will. This graphic, I'm assuming, was made in the 2000s because it looks like a 2000s graphic. And you have your plan, right, that just kind of goes straight up to the goal. And then we have reality, full of all sorts of absurdities and ridiculousness. And Paul would describe this at the beginning part of Romans chapter 7, because we're jumping more towards the middle into the end. And he says that it's like this, that looking at the law of God is like looking into a mirror. And that the law of God, which if you don't know what the law is, 
what Paul really would have been referencing was the time in which Moses was given the Ten Commandments and then all of the instructions that were given to the Hebrew people after that. This was the law. This thing was very, very good. This was the way that God was looking to make his people right with him. But the apostle Paul said that the law actually leads to my death. And he uses a big word, condemnation. And it's like, why would the law lead that way? He kind of paints this picture. It's more like this is reality. He's like, I go through all this hardship and all this trial and all this stuff, and it just leads me to death anyway. And he says, but how can that be? Did the law, which is good, cause my death? Of course not, he says. See, sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. See, sin is really bad and really powerful. It's so bad and so powerful that even the good things God wants to do for us, the way that he wants to use his spirit to reveal sin in our life so we can confess that sin and we can be made right with God, Sin uses it to condemn us so we never find God. It's a battle and it's a war. So Paul picks up, and this is where he kind of begins like this whole series of statements. He says, so the trouble is not with the law. So we think of maybe like the law that Moses was given, but we can extract that out to be the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of the apostles and kind of the law of God, all of the scriptures that we have. The problem is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. He says, something's up within me. It's not this thing just it's convicted, it's not the law, something's in me. But it's true that we usually look for something or someone to blame for our problems. We try to escape, right? Paul's like, it's not the law. It's not that that made you die. It's not that that will kill you. It's sin within you. Anna Gonzalez is a clinical therapist. She wrote this really cool article about why we tend to blame other people or things for our problems. She says the reason why people usually blame others is that it's a quick escape from guilt. Blame is an incredibly easy and effortless tactic to use when we feel defensive. We are often the problem. Now, last night, as I was doing bedtime, which always goes smooth with no concerns, there's never yelling, there's never hollering, there's never getting out of bed till 10.30 p.m. when bedtime's at 8. Never happens, ever, right? I thought to myself, how am I the problem in this scenario? So I say we are often the problem. Things happen in life they just happen. We have circumstances and we have consequences. But what Paul is talking about here are those things that are in our control. Bottom line is, you know what? I'm actually still in control of the way I react to those scenarios. You know, I'm still in control of what I do. 
And so Jesus' message is just as true. Um, Jordan Peterson, in his book, 12 Rules for Life, says this really amazing thing about trying to understand what we actually believe in any given scenario. He says, you can only find out what you actually believe rather than what you think you believe by watching how you act. You simply don't know what you believe before that. You are too complex to understand yourself. Our actions betray our beliefs, and thank goodness that's the case. Because otherwise, how would we know what we really believe? Looking at somebody's life is the way that you figure out what type of person they are, right? We understand this. And so how do we act? What do we do? What sort of a life do we live? If you find yourself blaming others frequently, you're kind of losing this battle already, right? Because the victory that God wants to give you is about understanding that the problem that we face with these things that we feel defeated in oftentimes is a battle we're facing internally. Paul says this, Romans 7, 15, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. I instead do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. See, we have a battle going on in our hearts. There's something within us that's causing us all of the conflict that we experience. Something's going on, and it's a big deal, big enough that Paul is saying everything that he's saying. He's getting pretty vulnerable here. I do all these things that I hate, right? And I know that I hate them, and I know that they're bad because God's law is showing me that. The battleground that we face is in our heart. And Paul says, so... I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. Do you ever feel that way? Man, there's just like nothing good inside of me. An interesting lie, both in our culture and sometimes in the church as well, is that as human beings, we're essentially good but we struggle with some evil. But the message of the gospel is actually that at the core, we're essentially evil, sinful, and sometimes we have good things going on as well. And that's why we need a savior. You don't need a savior if if you don't need saved, right? I know that nothing good lives in me. Now, this isn't like humiliating and This isn't designed to make you feel necessarily down about yourself, and this isn't designed to help affirm horrible things that someone has spoken over you, like you're ugly or you're worthless or no one will love you or you fill in the blank. Those are just straight-up lies. That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying is that within myself, there's nothing good, and that's convicting. But then he says, that is There's like a qualifier here, something else going on. And so Paul's like, no, 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 there's something else that's significant here in my my sinful nature. And what he says is, we are at the core sinful, and there's nothing good within our sinfulness. See, no one teaches us to sin. 
The great theologian Lady Gaga actually puts it this way, baby, I was born this way. So when I was teaching at youth group really frequently, sometimes I would have to tell students, please don't go home and tell your parents I called Lady Gaga a great theologian because it's not really going to go over well. I'm going to end up with phone calls all the time. Uh, and it only happened a couple times. But she said, you know, baby, I was born this way. It's true. We are born sinful. It's why we have a sin nature. If you jump back a few chapters in Romans, Paul says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. And this makes us feel defeated. Nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. And it's like, what do I do with this, right? Because Paul, man, you're, you're going on for six chapters and then for another like eight or nine chapters about all the victory we have. But we have a sinful nature and there's a battle that's going on. It says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't do it. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. And I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. How in the world did we get into this argument? Because I came into this wanting to have a peaceful conversation. We were going to just enjoy our day together, and now it's like the day is ruined. How did we even get here? I was going to keep my cool. How have I lost it again? I wasn't going to buy anything, and yet now I have this debt. When I want to do what's right, it seems like I inevitably end up doing what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? That's a really powerful statement by one of the greatest men who has ever lived. What a miserable person I am. Can you understand this feeling? Do you ever get to that point where you're just like, oh, what a miserable person I am. You just sit there and just like, oh, I can't even work my way out of this. I'm just, it's just miserable. It just makes you feel sick inside when you've made that mistake again or when you've chosen to do that thing again. It's just like, miserable, I think, is a great word that Paul uses. So where are you feeling defeated what are these areas where you can, like Paul, say, man, I try to do the things I don't, you know, I try to do the right thing, but I do the thing I don't want to do, and you're just feeling miserable. Here's that list again. In which of these areas do you have that, where you're like, I just feel like I can't, I just can't catch a break. And I position to you that it's like looking in the law of God. And what we're seeing is that it's sin that is being reflected to us because God's law is good and it's perfect. We've seen this graphic before where we're in chains 
and we're being read the law. We're being accused of the law. And what does the judge say? You're guilty. You're guilty of not living up to God's standard. You're guilty of anger. You're guilty of immorality. You're guilty of idolatry. You're guilty of lying. You're guilty of hatred, which Jesus even says might as well be murder. You're guilty. And so then you're put behind bars. We're done. What hope is there? We're miserable. And all of these bars are all of these things that we just can't escape from, it seems like. We're just trapped. We are guilty. And that's one of the starting points of the gospel. We are guilty. Give you some examples of where Paul could kind of fill in the blank. The Apostle Paul is really vague, right? He doesn't talk about his vices. He doesn't talk about the things he struggles with specifically. I think he does that so that, one, you probably wouldn't judge him and then not listen to him about it, right? But he also does it so that this can fit any situation that we go through. I'll give you some examples. I said that I would help when I got home, and then I just didn't, and I knew I should have been helping. I promised to keep my cool with my boss, but then I had an outburst again. Seriously, this is the last time that I'm drinking. After tonight, no more gambling. I'll send just one more text and then I'll be done. One more text to that boy or to that girl, to that person I'm not married to, to this person I know I shouldn't be talking with. Just one more, then I'm going to be finished. Yeah, I found myself texting them again, right? I'll be honest from here on out. Last lie I'm telling. I'll be honest. So are we defeated, right? Because it's like, man, Paul, this is like a bummer. (laughs) You're just like, you're making me kind of sad here. Are we defeated? Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. And he says, thank God. The answer is Christ Jesus, our Lord. The answer is Jesus. The answer is that we're not defeated. The answer is that we're in a battle, but the war is won. So he says, so you see how it is in my mind I want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. We are in a battle. Don't get that wrong. We struggle and we wrestle and we need to be real about our faith. But through his vulnerability, Paul encourages those of us with faith and he challenges those of us that are wrestling with our faith. And let me tell you, if you have faith, the war has already been won. Christ has already won the war. The war is over. We find ourselves in battles every single day, but the war is done. Jesus has the victory. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Yeah, because you're sinful, because we have sin within us, but the war is already won because we have Jesus, right? We have him to help us. He gives us the victory. 
And I would say this as well, because this is important, because we could look at Romans 7 and go, well, that's like a, you know, an excuse for all my sinfulness. But no, a battle is an explanation, not an excuse. Our kids ministry director, Ann, says this all the time, and I love it. Says, you have an excuse or you have an explanation, but you don't have an excuse. Yeah, that explains your behavior, but it's not an excuse for your behavior. It doesn't mean we just get to roll over and take our battles and take our vices and take our shame and take our self-hatred and take whatever it is and live on. That's not the Christian life either. In Romans chapter 8, Man, I encourage you this week to read it because it's like a party is being thrown in celebration of how there's a defeat of all of those things that Paul says makes him miserable. And there's victory in everything that we go through. Jesus has given us victory. That's the good news. But we do have battles. And if you are wrestling with faith, Christ will gladly give you the victory. Jesus has won the war for those of us that have accepted him as our Savior and our Messiah. And I believe that the Spirit of God is convicting you or speaking to you through those battles so that you can know if you haven't embraced Jesus as your Savior, that by faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, we are made right with God. We are not defeated. We are not defeated. And so I do hope that you find yourself encouraged by this. We're in a battle, but the war is won. You know, we go through a whole lot of things, but the war is won. And one of the ways we're celebrating the victory is that we're actually going to celebrate communion. So worship team, you guys can come up and get up here and get ready. But we're going to celebrate communion together. In the seat in front of you, you'll find one of these little containers that has some juice in it, and it has a cracker as well. You know, Jesus gave us this example to follow when he was with his disciples. We call it like the Last Supper, right? Or it was the celebration of Passover. And what happened was that Moses led the people, the ancient people of Israel, out of Egypt, right? You've maybe heard of the 12 plagues of Egypt. God demonstrated his power over Egypt as he released his people from slavery and from bondage. And so Moses gave them the meal of Passover to celebrate when the angel of death passed over the Hebrew people and killed the firstborn of the Egyptians and a final definitive victory to set the Hebrew people free from slavery. And so Jesus, as he's celebrating the Passover with his disciples, he says, there's a new victory that's coming. And now I'm going to show you how to celebrate it. And fast forward a little over 2,000 years later, and here we are today. We get to celebrate the victory that we have in Jesus. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six says this, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you will proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So I want to encourage you with just a few minutes here to settle your mind, settle your heart, turn away from the distractions that are around you, and use this as a chance 
to think about our Lord, to think about your victory that you already have or the victory that Jesus is calling you into. Remember you have a Savior that loves you so much. So just take this time right now to pray and to ask him, Jesus, fill my heart with encouragement from my discouragement, with victory in my defeat, with joy in my shame and in my failure, because I know you've already won. Let's take that time now. The Apostle Paul said, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Right after, in the same way, he also took the cup. After supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Don't just see we proclaim the Lord's death. See until he comes again, because he's coming back. Let's proclaim his death together. It's an incredible opportunity to be able to worship the Lord, to take communion together. And so as, we're, as we continue, we're going to sing one more song. Just think about your heart and your life. Celebrate the salvation that we have because we have a good, good Savior. Would you stand and sing with us? <laughs> 